Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. Hey, everybody, and happy Tuesday, and welcome to Fight Club. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Fight Club for Business, the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts, and we get to be joined this week by our guest, Jonathan Witzman. So excited to have you with us. Can you just give our listeners a brief rundown of yourself and your business? Yes, I am the author of The Sales Boss. I currently serve as the CEO of Perception Predict, which is an advanced AI tool for hiring the right people and the right, uh, uh, getting the right team members on your team. I have been in and out of organizations, helping them build successful businesses. My book, The Sales Boss, is all around how do you build a high-performing sales team, get them the right training, the right tools. Uh, but I come from having started a small business myself. I, my first business was a cleaning business that I did to put myself through college. And I went on from there to build a couple of technology companies, sell those, and then uh, get to work with great business owners. That's actually how I met Megan through Tommy Mello doing some coaching with uh, A1 Garage. Ooh, awesome. This is so exciting. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the show today, Jonathan. Thank you so much for introducing yourself. Um, my name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband. And my background is in marketing. And that comes from graphic design through schooling and then working with a few different agencies. And there I found my passion in helping business owners understand the numbers and the data behind marketing so they can make better decisions based upon that. So super excited to have you on the show today and can't wait to talk about all things marketing with you. Excellent. And it's nice to see you again, Jonathan. My name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also own a full service accounting firm called Likes Accounting Company. And I own a window cleaning and gutter cleaning company with my husband, Jeff. And I think uh, Jonathan spoke on the stage at Vertical Track, the main stage as a keynote. And it was amazing. You have these guys that talk about sales strategies sometimes and, and I just, my skin crawls and I'm like, eh, <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't, it's snake oil. And Jonathan was the complete opposite, very human centric, human forward, like helping find people's potential and passions. And then really just inspiring that it was also just a wonderful speech. Uh, and as a fellow public speaker, uh, it was inspiring. So Jonathan, welcome to the show. We're very excited to have you. Thank you. <laughs> and hey, Jonathan, I'm Michelle Myers, co-owner of Pink Collars, and we can help you outsource those horrifying customer service tasks like phone calls and emails and chats and texts. I'm also the proud co-owner of a Wise franchise location, which is a floor coatings company, and we live in Virginia. So welcome. I also sort of live on a farm, so I did men you did mention that earlier. I might want to talk to you about farm stuff, and we're going to talk systems, you and I. So welcome to Fight Club. Perfect. I, the only problem I have with doing podcasts like this is I always want to interview you. <laughs> I'm Perfect. Let's do, so let's do it. All right. And lastly, my name is Martha Woodward, and I used to own a maid service, um, co-founder of Quality Driven Software, which is an employee performance slash empowerment software. And I just help people build happier workplaces. So welcome to Fight Club. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. And Jonathan's defense, I less definitely asked him yesterday morning, like, hey, any chance Good you're time. Me today? And he was like, uh, I actually am. Surprisingly, <laughs> shockingly, I never am. I never am. It was shocked. I was like, surely I have a reason not to do this. And I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> it was meant to be. He had wow. already sent me his calendar link, so I had already confirmed that he was available. Yeah. So it would have gotten awkward had it been a no. But thank you, Jonathan, so <laughs> That's much. <funny. laughs> oh, leave it to Megan for a last minute invite. I love it. Um, so Jonathan, I'm going to kind of steal you first. And normally I don't get to talk a lot about sales. Um, it's not necessarily my like, my wheelhouse, I will say. I've always been afraid of sales, <laughs> but um, marketing and sales really do go hand in hand. So it gives me an opportunity to kind of open the floor for you as, you know, the sales boss and be able to talk about sales yourself, kind of 
really take that opportunity and run with it. Because you had mentioned briefly in the pre-show about how you were able to continuously keep on clients that you've had in your past business and kind of increase their dollar amounts for their ticket prices and things of that sort. So that kind of works into sales as well as marketing. So I can either let you talk about that technique that you used back, and I believe it was with your janitorial business that you had mentioned. That's going back decades. I know. It's going back far. That one's going back far. Or what's the difference between sales and marketing? Oh, uh, ooh. Want, want to go on that one? We can't. I love you, that one. You just said you don't like to set, you know, sales. I don't. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not. They and the ladies joke with me all the time and say I definitely am and can be. I, I, um, I've always had a fear towards sales. Um, to come off kind of how Megan said, snake oily and sales salesy. I, I never want to come across that way. It's not who I am in my nature. Um, so yeah, we can absolutely talk about how sales and marketing differ, but also are similar at the same time. I think it's interesting that, 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 that there's this concept around sales sort of embedded in our common consciousness around that being something that's, that, that's less than, right. Or that we're taking advantage mm -hmm. of people. I really, um, as Megan mentioned, I, I feel like sales is just humans being human to each other. And the closer you can get to being authentically yourself, the better off that you're going to be. And I think that's the same thing with marketing. The more you can transparently be yourself and act in that way, the more people are going to be drawn to you and especially the kinds of people that you want to work with. But I will tell you, uh, my very first business I started was, was actually a cleaning company. And of course, everyone starts a cleaning company because you can buy a mop and a bucket and right, you can just get started. There's not a lot of startup costs. Right. But I start, start to think about how do I keep from just churning through, you know, people and through, through, through customers, you know, when the next person comes in and says, hey, I'll do it for a couple of dollars cheaper. And so I actually decided I'm going to go in and uh, I actually would walk into doctor's offices or banks. And I, I was determined that I was to be the highest price that they had ever seen. And I wanted to be so much so that they would actually be shocked and not call me back. Wow. That was my marketing <laughs> point. Now, let me tell you how this worked because I never lost a client. So I would talk to the, the bank manager or the, the lead physician at the, at the office and I'd give them my price. And I, you know, I would charming, I guess. I don't know. They enjoyed the time they spent with me, but then they wouldn't call me back. So I would, I would go back into the office and say, well, you never called me back. And they said, well, you're at least 60% higher than everyone else. What, you know, what are you thinking? And I was a young guy at the time. So they thought they were going to teach me a thing or two about how to, <laughs> how to price. And I said, well, you told me that you had a problem with cleaning and that you've went through a lot of people. And I only have two things that I can adjust when I do your service, that is the amount of time I spend or the quality of the cleaning products that I use in your service. So if, if you want me to lower my price, you have to tell me which of those things on your list you don't want me to do. Wow. That's a very and so they would eventually. And uh, I said, I also want to pay my people really well because you have a nice bank. You, you, you don't want us to be putting new people into your bank every day, training new people. That's a risk for you. So I didn't close every deal, but the deals that I closed were deals where they valued the same thing I valued. Now, here's where the marketing comes in. So there's two, two forms of marketing. One was to the internal customers, right? All the people sitting in the office. Yes. And I always thought my best uh, line of defense against competitors was the receptionist desk right at the front. So when we went in <laughs> that very first weekend, we would do everything. We would steam clean the chairs. We would drop the light vents. We would dust everything. On every seat, we would put a little card that says, your chair has been professionally cleaned. Please make sure it's dry before you sit down. We were cleaning on a Friday or Saturday. We knew by Monday it was going to be dry, but we wanted to draw attention to the fact that this place was really clean. We also put about a two and a half foot flower vase right on the front lobby desk, addressed to, to, the, to the gal that sat at the front desk and said, thank you for the opportunity to clean your office. So now what happened every day for that first week when somebody walked into the office? They're asking, where'd you get the flowers? Where'd you get the flowers? And they would yeah. say, oh, it's our great new cleaning company. And they would go on to, you know, like praise and look how great it looks. So you get in this reinforcement that they made the right choice. 
And I just didn't want to be, you know, that other salesperson walking in and saying, hey, can I give you a bid on your cleaning services? Because they had to talk to that lady. But then what we would do is I would wait till I got through three months. And I'd write a nice letter and I would have a check that refunded them 30% of the payments that they had made to me. And I said, I'm going to lower my price because now that I cleaned for an entire quarter, I know exactly what it cost me to do 100% of the things on your list and pay my people well. What did I just reinforce in their mind, even though I was still 25, 30% higher than everyone else? That's impressive. Right? I, I mean, they're only going to charge me exactly what I, they need to do to do a quality job. I never got any price pressure. Hmm. So that's my marketing and sales, right? One is the approach. How do you get, how do you get in there? What's your approach going to be slightly different? Absolutely. And then how do you build this moat around your client? And when I first started, I was actually the one in doing the cleaning. And if they called with a complaint, I'd have to say, well, I'm really going to have to get in there tonight and talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love too, how you, you also incorporated the human touch, right? Of adding the gifts and, the emotion behind just having flowers at the front desk, that alone, when someone walks in and sees that as a potential client to another business, they're going to ask about that. That is a great marketing tool to add into that. And it's also adding to the emotion of the client of yours who was able to walk into a beautiful office that's been cleaned professionally. And then to have that, the, the aroma of fresh flowers and just the beauty that comes with that as well on top of already having the office clean, which they were expecting, but to have that, it's just that little extra touch, that that little extra piece of value. And just, again, that human touch that takes it further, in my opinion, for any clients that are wanting to, you know, work with you. And I always, I firmly believe that when it comes to sales, and I, I'm sure you can attest to this as well, Jonathan, that you want to make sure you do go above and beyond still when it, when you do offer them some form of a price point and whether that's, I know we use for our pressure washing company, it's if someone wants their pool patio cleaned, we always make sure that we skim the pool afterwards. There's, it's not written in our description. We don't mm. see that out outright to our clients, but there's inevitably going to be dirt and debris that falls into the pool. And we live in South Florida and people want to be on their pool patios and enjoy that. So making sure that our, our, our team members and tech skim that pool afterwards is just that little extra touch and, you know, human appreciation for your client and for your customer service relationship that you have. And that to me, takes everything so much further. If you can add that in somehow, to your sales process and work, not even the sales process itself, but really just the completion after the sales been completed and you're doing the job itself to add extra value to that sale. That to me is it, it works wonders in my opinion. Yeah, it does. I call those the moments that matter. That's right. And we should, and, and I talk to my clients about that even today. Let's, let's architect these moments that matter. What's the, what's the aha, what's the sort of emotional connection? Where can I bake those in where somebody else may not be doing that? I, I, I uh, went through a, a sales training through Sandler Sales. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, you know, super popular sales training program. But uh, Sandler once made the comment that sales is like a Broadway play put on by a psychologist. <laughs> and I sort of think that I sort of think that way both with our employees but also with our customers that from the minute that we interact with them, whether it's that first email to a prospective new hire or a new client all the way through that it's really stage play. And you have to know when you're going to hit your marks and what are those marks going to be? Absolutely. I haven't heard that until today and I don't think I could put it any better myself. Absolutely. (laughs) When you, when you were saying that I was thinking about, uh, the day one garage and Tommy Mello, when I'm working with their organization, they, they do really well with their sales process. But one of the things that's baked in is when they're on the way to the customer, they call the customer and they say, Hey, I'm going to be about 20 minutes out, but I am going to stop for gas. Can I get you a coffee or something else? Then 99% of the time people are going to say no, but they're already starting to build that rapport. And so that's an expectation that, they're, that, that, that their drivers are going to do when they're on the way to the house. 
And some of their drivers have taken it a step further to say, hey, I'm headed over your direction. What's your favorite neighborhood coffee shop? I need to get a coffee. And so they're going to say, oh, it's, you know, Starbucks or whatever, you know, their local sh shop is. They're going to say, well, what's your favorite drink? What would you recommend I get myself? And then they're going to buy two of them. Wow. That's fantastic. Okay, so those are some power sort of ways that we can, if we just start thinking about how do we, how do we architect the interactions uh, with, our, with our customers, but it, uh, the best sales actually happen from your employees. And so how do you craft those moments for your employees? That's beautiful. I love it. And honestly, there's ways that we can talk finances with this as well. So I'm sure Megan's excited to kind of talk about the different ways that we can work the numbers when it comes to sales, marketing, and then also working with your employees. So I appreciate um, the time you spent with me, Jonathan, and I'm going to go ahead and pass you off to Megan. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I'm so excited to talk with you because I feel like we haven't even started to touch on some of the magic that is what what I got to see this weekend with Tommy Mello. Um, and it's funny because you, Tommy will say like, it's almost unfair once you understand the psychology, like, because it is a dance, you are rehearsing, like you, you can predict I've, I've learned like when I win somebody over, you can see it in their eyes. You just know, like I got them, that, that was yeah, it. And, and, and it's a weird thing. And, and it's a powerful thing that we don't want to abuse, but you have taken this so much further. And I was just dying to, to chat with you after your talk, like while you were on stage, I'd already connected with you and done all the crazy stalking things. Um, we have a couple of friends with recruiting companies and one with a really cool applicant tracking system software. And I'm an automations nerd. I love this idea of like automating, like setting a process, automating it, and then letting it run. And you have an assessment tool that I would love for you to talk about. And I'm just going to preface and frame why I want you to talk about this assessment tool, because there's, there's money tied to staff. And that's a hard thing for people to talk about, right? This, it's like, they're like, well, you know, you can't say that they're worth something, but you absolutely can say that that a, that a key player can produce this much in revenue for a team. We also know that hiring the wrong person will cost us this much in turnover expense or in hard onboarding costs or in, uh, you know, social collateral in our culture. And so I want you to talk a little bit about Perception Predict because I think it's just absolutely incredibly genius and I can't wait to find a way for us to work together and use it. So tell, tell our listeners what it is and um, maybe give us a little bit about where it came from and why. And yeah, Dom yeah. Williams, I'm asking him to do this just for you. So I hope you're listening. I've already tagged you and Hobie Barrett, you asked for this. So those All are my right. little quiet shout outs for the people that really need to listen up, but everybody should listen up. <laughs> it's interesting though, Megan, that you say that it's sort of strange to talk about the money as it relates to people. Um, but it's the, it's the same way for them. And when we get somebody and we get them a false start inside of our company, it's, it's bad for them. It costs them money. It costs them gaining experience at a company where they could build their future. So I, I really think it's incumbent both on the employer and the employee to, to, make, a, to make a good, solid choice and have good conversations uh, up front. It, 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 it's why it's called human capital. It, 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 is, it is capital in our business and, and, and there's the right kind of capital and there's the wrong fit capital. So what you're referring to is a, a product called Perception Predict. You can find it at perceptionpredict.ai. And uh, I, I'm a big believer in psychographic tools. Psychographics is just a big fancy term for what are the things that uh, psychologists and scientists have proven that we can measure about humans with an online survey, right? So a series of questions that you can answer and you can reliably draw conclusions about someone. So many people are familiar with products like DISC where you can say somebody's introverted or extroverted. Uh, I was actually doing a keynote uh, a couple of years ago in Florida and somebody approached me afterwards and said, hey, I've built this new product I'd like you to take a look at. And I thought it was sort of a me too product. And then I got a chance to talk to them and they were doing something completely different. The difference is they uh, create a profile for your company. And after they assess a new employee coming into your company, may take them 20 minutes online. They're going to predict for you exactly whatever KPI is important to you. So that might be dollars revenue, number of units sold, number of appointments booked. 
And we're getting to within 15% of what we predict actually shows up in people's company. We have one of the largest cybersecurity companies in, on the planet. Last year, we got to within 4% on our predictions, which is mind blowing. That's the second year with them. Um, but the way the tool works is when we start, we have an inventory of about 400 items that we can measure. We measure your existing team. What's working today, what's not working today, both the good, the bad, the ugly. And then on the other end, we ingest actual performance data for those same people. And we get down to what are the 10 or 15 items that matter and in what combination. And that's what we call a performance fingerprint. You're gonna use that for new hires. Of course, we're only gonna have their psychographic profile. And then the, the computer algorithm is actually guessing at what their, what their actual output will be. And it continues to learn over time. So the more people you run through it, the smarter it gets. Even the people that don't work out in your organization. It's important for you not only to understand what works in your organization, but what's, what, what is it that causes people to churn out of your organization? It's also a fantastic startup story. You ladies will have to have my, uh, the founder of the company on. She is a woman founder. They were based out of Australia when I found them. Uh, she is from Taiwan. She literally grew up in a rice paddy, no running water, no electricity, and uh, first of her family to go to college and has built an amazing tech platform that I can take zero credit for. Um, but I'm helping her sell that and growing this into a multi-billion dollar business. So, wow. Oh my gosh. I mean, that wow. I, I'm watching. You got Martha. Like I watched it. Right. Like, Why do you do this to me, Megan? I know you got him. You got her. Um, it was hilarious. So the, so this is something that we are all already doing in our companies. And I guarantee you we're doing it terribly because we're humans. Like we are already trying to assess, like, why didn't that person work out? Or why does this person work out? Or what's the difference between this person and, and your co-founder? What's her name? I'd like, I do want to be friends with her. Um, <clears throat> Regina. <laughs> I'll introduce you. Regina. Great. So she then realize that the human nature is we're going to make misjudgments and we're not this is a very very complex we're not trained psychologists although i have a feeling that you've done a lot of psychology research over the course of your life we are yeah. not trained psychologists and so for us to be able to to even start to understand this i think is practically impossible and hobie that's why i had you listening because hobie's been on the hunt to have a psychologist help him draft his assessment questions around his existing team well here we are and regina has helped build it seems like a supercomputer program where we can leverage the use of AI to assess our weaknesses and our strengths in our existing team and then go searching for the compliments that team for high performers. And maybe I'm putting words in your mouth and I don't mean to, but that's what I heard. And that's what I got very excited about when you started to talk about this tool. Yeah. And it's not only the, it's not only the superstars, it's also what you might consider a liability hire. Mm -hmm. Right. What, we call them a dumpster fire, Jonathan. You're shaking their hand. You're like, this gonna is going to be your organization. And, and it's actually the ones that churn out. You know, you can sort of deal with that. You, you want to reduce that. What's more dangerous is the person that comes in and is a mid performer. Mm. Because you're never going to get rid of them. But they're going to hold up a spot on your team. Right. They're going to set a standard for the rest of your team. They're, they're sort of, you know, they're good enough. And that's a challenge, especially if you're a small business owner. If you've got 100 people on your team, right? One person off, it's 1%. But if you have a team of 10 people and one person's off, it's, you know, a, a tenth of your company. Exactly. Or it's 50% of your company. So really important to get the people part of it, right? Some people get uh, sort of uh, intimidated by the term artificial intelligence. It's really just <laughs> a, a new age term for math. That's all it is. Right? <laughs> you need, we always like to have the latest, greatest phrase, but it's just math. In this case, we're a really high use of multivariate regression analysis, which is another fancy term to just say, we're asking a set block of questions and we're gonna ask it the same way every time and we're gonna score it the same way every time. And then we're gonna look at the data to say, does how the people answer these questions actually show up in their performance on the job? Yes or no? Which is the same approach we try to take as humans. We have a, our favorite set of interview questions the difference is we can't really actively score those and we don't have the ability to, to look back in time and score it against actual performance data. And the computer has the memory to be able to do that and it's a pattern. So it's, it's not anything that 
ununderstandable. It's just the power of computers. Well, and it's going faster, right? And we're taking our human judgments out of it. I, I, oh, I love it so much. It's so brilliant. Um, so Tommy always talks about how an A player produces this much and a B player produces this much. What I didn't realize was that he had uh, you and Regina kind of helping him actually put dollar amounts on that. Can you talk a little bit about, so you've mentioned casually that, uh, you know, you're going to run them through a set of questions, you're going to assess them, and then you're going to predict how they're going to perform on certain KPIs within 15%. But uh, because we don't have an infographic to show here, can you kind of talk us through what that what that dashboard looks like and what some of the KPIs look like that you're predicting when you're working with people? Uh, do you mean for, from the standpoint of, of, of the employer? Yeah. It, yeah, it's uh, super simple. They're going to they're gonna log into a dashboard. It'll have a, a, the names and the pictures of the people that have applied, and it'll have a score. And so in, in Tommy's case, they're interested in two things. They're interested in how is this, a uh, person going to score on on a TTL scorecard, which is their technician. Uh, think of it as a customer scorecard. Their effectiveness getting Google reviews, the number of callback errors they get, and also what's their average job ticket. So we will say they're going to get 400 on their uh, quality score, and their their average ticket size is going to be $1,200. So, so really, I just can you just pause there? It's just shocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mind magic. blown. Yeah, so Regina ha and has built this thing that Jonathan is helping share with the world that you can predict the average ticket of a future hire. You okay. can predict their callback rate. You can predict their Google reviews. Now, I and I feel like that's we just had, uh, we, we have Mercedes Benz as a client, and uh, we we also sell through uh, sales partner networks. And we had a gentleman join us actually also out of Australia. And I said, how, what, so, so what made you decide that you're going to uh, join us? And they said, well, when, uh, when Regina first did our, uh, did, did a pilot project with us, I was one of the dealerships that she did the, uh, pilot project and it was three dealerships and she got to within two cars prediction for every single salesperson that I hired. Wow. So, so, <laughs> so they're predicting that same dealership was yeah. a group in a group of 28 they were at the bottom number 28 out of 28 dealerships in terms of profitability in 18 months they went to number one and they went from an average of six cars per person sold to an average of 14 cars sold wow. now i do have to i do have to ask you uh, wow. because i do not have a background in psychology i'm an accountant i am definitely yes. less of a people person and more of a numbers person although i try you have to be really uh, good at numbers then because you're really good at people <laughs> okay, well, thank you. Um, I always say people are hard. Feelings are hard. Numbers are easy. They don't lie. Um, so the question is, do people level up once they've been assessed? Like, is there a little bit of interplay between this is the prediction and then this is the actuality? Because, I mean, I know that there's like an inherent nature that we are assessing and tapping into. But what happens after that? What magic happens? Well, so after? we don't share with the, the candidate their score. We don't say... Tay, you're not going to be any good at this, right? Or you're going to be fantastic, <laughs> usually. We do, have a, we do have a safe report that we can give them that tells them all sorts of things they can do to help improve themselves. Most people love, love learning about themselves. Um, but but what, we're, what we're actually looking at are stable human attributes. They're things that don't change over time. There's not a lot that you can do about them. So you think about introversion, extroversion, and which is one of the least indicative of performance of, I'll just use it as an example because it's easy to understand. You can have somebody that's introverted learn to be extroverted, but it's still exhausting for them, right? They, it's, they're never, in my book, I say, you, you might need a dog to do a job. And if there was no dogs available, you could hire a cat. And if you train really hard, you might get the cat to bark, but nobody would be that convinced. So it's sort of the same way with, with these are like core attributes of who people are. And we're just saying they're either going to be a fit and this is going to be a natural fertile soil that they can grow and be happy in, or it's going to be a struggle for them. So you usually that. don't see people, that's why you can get an accurate pr prediction. That's amazing. 
Okay, I have to pass you to Michelle because I've taken more than my amount of time. So uh, thank you for uh, discussing uh, human capital. That is not something that's ever come up on the show. And I think it's very important and timely in this current era. So thank you, Jonathan. Everything for that. is and about your people. If you get your people decision right, everything else is easy. Yeah. And my grandfather used to say, he would say business, business would be easy if it wasn't for the people. And he would also say uh, people are unique but they're predictably unique. Mm. It's really not that hard to start pattern recognizing uh, if you pay attention. The problem is we don't often pay attention. We look at people through our own sort of uh, filter, almost like going you know, to a circus uh, funhouse tent where you know one mirror makes you look tall and skinny and the other short and fat. Or none of that is true. You have to get really good as an owner about saying, am I seeing this person for who they really are or am I seeing them as I want to see them? I love it. I love it. Um, okay, we're going to Michelle. That's good stuff. That's such good stuff. Okay, I'm going to talk about that fertile soil or is it a struggle? Because I think that that's a problem with many business owners, right? We do see people through the funhouse mirror and we want to see them the way we want to see them. What can an owner do if they're not using this AI program? What can they utilize out there that might be a tool available that can help them identify some of these attributes in their current team? So tell us, like, have you seen anything out there that you're, you're like to talk about or use? What do you uh, think? Are you saying you bring some on the front end when you're hiring people or else they're in your organization? Either one, either one, because right yeah. at the beginning or while they're in their in the organization. Yeah, I, I think on the front end, even if you're not using any tool, the, 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 the challenge is that we all have an inherent need to be liked. So we sit down and especially when we're a smaller business, like we're almost begging people to work for us. We're a great company. We're going places, right? And it's almost yeah. like we're trying to make up for the head trash that we have about our own company. Yeah. And so you have to sort of accept that you're a great place to work. You're good people to work for. And I take the, the standpoint that your job is to walk out of an interview with being able to write down the three reasons you should not hire this person. Ooh, okay, that's a system. System which alert. Okay, three reasons. Which is completely different than saying, why should I hire this person? And that's why most where most people get it wrong. They're selling their company and, and mm. right and, and and they pretend that they're sort of interviewing this person. Well, you're gonna like every person that you interview, typically. Right. Sure. I mean, if they don't rub you wrong in the first 30 seconds. And there's a lot of data to support that. So I act I, I actively try to keep people off the team. My job is to say, when this person walks out, I'm gonna write them a half a million dollar check. If I had to write that check today, I'm gonna to be a lot more stern about of my standard of who I'm gonna write that to. The problem is we sort of take it casually. People walk in you know, busy from doing whatever else they're doing. They're like, oh, I got an interview. And, and, they, and they sort of do that on autopilot. They might, all, they might even just be looking at a resume or job history two minutes before the person walks in the door. And this is yeah. the single most important decision about the amount of headaches you're going to have in your business. And so really blocking off time and saying, what's the three reasons I'm not going to hire this person? So when I do this for clients, sometimes it annoys my clients. They say, you're not going to say anything good about people. I say, well, that's not my point. You know, so my job, I'm going to tell you the three reasons that you're going to be at risk if this person. Now, your job is to decide, is that risk worth it? <laughs> I'm obsessed. That three reasons to not is amazing. And people could implement that in their business immediately, right? That's a simple thing that you could do after every interview, kind of a post-interview write-up, right? Okay. I'm obsessed also, while you're we're talking about being obsessed, I loved what you said about recognizing patterns. This is something that I used to do in my previous world. I was a designer. And so I would recognize patterns and things and kind of repeat them throughout different parts of the design. Tell me what you see in pattern recognition when you're hiring people or what those core attributes are looking like. What are you looking for when you're trying to identify a pattern? Well, that's a, that's a broad question. I could go a lot of different ways with that. I think Please. I talked about this briefly, Megan, uh, from the stage this last week. 
I think your our job as business owners is to design every single moment and every single touch point as somebody comes into our organization. And what I mean yeah. by that is what is that first email? What's the tone? What does it sound like? Does it exude our brand right from the get-go? When someone walks up to our door and open the door to our office the first time, what's what and I'm always asking myself this pattern. What do I want them to think, feel, and do? What do I want them to think, feel, and do? So when they open the door, it's a simple action. They're opening the door. What do I want them thinking, feeling, and doing? Well, I want them to be excited, right? And wanting to prove themselves and feeling like as good as they've been, they're going to have to step it up a little bit if they're going to compete here. So then I'm going to ask myself, how do I design that? And then they're going to walk up to whoever I have, you know, greeting them. And what do I want them to think, feel, and do when they say hello to that guy or gal that's at the front desk? Does that make sense? So I, it the, makes total sense. <laughs> all the way through. And, and the, the, the problem people get into is they sort of lump the whole experience into saying, uh, I'm doing an interview or I'm doing a first day. I want to break it down at the micro level, every single step. So I literally will walk into uh, an office for a time when I'm doing that, I'll open the door and I'll say, what am I thinking, feeling, and doing here? Talk to the receptionist. What, what, think, what did I think? What I feel? What I do? I sit down. I see a magazine that's out of date. What am I thinking, right? Feeling and doing. And, it just, and I think we do that same thing with our employees. When your employee walks into your team meeting for the week, how does, it, how does it feel? You'll go into somewhere, it's just that, you know, there's no music playing, there's not good lighting, everybody seems like they're slightly hungover from the night before. <laughs> they, you know, you go into another company and they're bringing the energy. And so I, I use a, a phrase in my book, things are only good or bad by comparison. Ooh. And you have to understand what is your, how did you get your definition of great? And usually it's from something you've already experienced. It's the best you've ever seen. Anything for your employees. What's their, how did they get their standard? We have to start recognizing that pattern. How did they get their standard? And how do we raise that standard? People, you know, I, I don't, you don't see many people say, well, I'm a, I'm a terrible father. Most <laughs> people think they're a great father or they're a great husband or they're a great wife. Yeah. But comparing it probably to a different standard, right? And if you if if you, if you get around different people, it's like when you go to vertical track and you're hanging around with the Tommy Mellows of the world, all of a sudden it's like, well, that's great. I've seen great. And yep. you go to bad by comparison, you have this sort of in your own mind go, well, I can I can go much higher than I am today. Yeah. It's so, so weird because it actually <laughs> happened. I was telling I called Michelle yesterday, I was like, no, yeah, the right. energy she was did. just like <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. Uh, sorry, shout out to uh, the Vertical Track event. I, I have not been in a room like that in a really, really long time. Um, I'm I'm gonna ride that high for a while and I, I've lost my voice from so much talking. So I'm gonna mute myself <laughs> keep going, keep going. It, 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 wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't great event. So, you know, we go back to what we were saying about it being a stage play put on by a psychiatrist. And, you know, if you're the actor or actress in a stage play, you don't get to be sick. You don't get to be tired. You don't get to yep. have an off day. When you step out onto the stage and the curtain opens, the audience has paid for a front seat ticket to the best show on the planet. And so you have to show up and be able to bring that. Now, when the curtain goes down and you go backstage, you can break down and, you know, just say, I'm going to pay payroll and I'm going to do all the other yeah. crap that comes at us as business owners. But we have to we have to always be mindful that when we enter the the doors of our of our businesses that we're on stage. It doesn't mean we're authentic. Yeah. Which is sort of uh, you can still be you and be authentic and have an off day, but you you, you start to imbue that your purpose. The nice thing is we get to choose which you know which uh, play plays each day. Uh. I love you, it. You, you, you can have a quality play. It's a completely different feeling. So we can have a day where we're struggling, 
but underneath is that tone of hope and all the other things purpose. We can still authentically be ourselves and be on stage. So good. So true. I love it. Okay, I'm going to pass you on to Martha, and she's going to talk to you about all the people stuff and all the good things. Thank you, Jonathan. This is so helpful. You gave us some really actionable systems that we can throw into our companies right away. So I love it. Thank you. Awesome. Martha, I want to talk to you about your software because I am a software geek. I love building software. I love using software. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And I tell you, you an awesome software. Just sorry, but it's an awesome one. My whole company culture is built around it. I uh, I feel like I'm going to be a Megan. She usually puts out a menu of choices and, you know, pick from that. And I never do that. But as you're talking, I'm like, oh, I want to talk more about that. Oh, I want to talk more about that. <laughs> so um, I, I do want to say really quickly, but this isn't the topic I want to go on. Um, you know, I, I took this course a six month course on, uh, it was called heroic public speaking. And that's not psychology, but in that class, um, it was led by actors and they really talked to you about how to evoke, you know, they would say, what do you want them to feel? And so your, your, what you said, and more importantly, um, just how you moved on stage and your tone and, you know, is what you would evoke. And so I found that very interesting and I will relate that to communicating with people. So what I find when I, um, you know, talk to, not to, sorry guys, not, not to stereotype, lawn care and window cleaning, but they want to be just like, you know, just get to it with their employees. And I'm like, no, you have to sit down and have a conversation. And, you know, we talk about the psychology of how they're going to present. Okay. This is what I need from you. And, you know, not barking at them. So, yeah, but when what's the reason they do that? I would suggest that the reason is, is we tend to want to treat other people the way we wanted to be treated. So when somebody would set us down and go nice and slow, we might feel like we were talked down to, they were being demeaning. The reason yeah. is, is because we see ourselves as a leader, which is why we're in a leadership role. And yeah. it's really hard to get leaders to understand that the way they experience the world is different than 90% of the people they're going to lead. It's why they're a leader and somebody else is really happy, right? Being a part of a system and a part of a team and a support part of the organization and really no desire to lead. They're just, well, they're just two different things. And so you have to get that leader to realize, no, that sitting down, slowing down is really important to them. I realize it wasn't to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I also think that um, communication, like having a frank conversation is many times very hard for somebody. So you can have this hugely successful person, but they absolutely hate and avoid having those very much needed conversations. So one of their coping mechanisms is to make it short and sweet and, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm out kind of thing. But, um, okay, I, I we could go on and on. Oh, do you have anything more to phrase, say? I believe you believe that. It could sound really sarcastic depending on how I, you know, how the tone um, it's really a, a mindset that I teach people is that we have to believe that our employees authentically have their beliefs, like they own them, it's true to them, right. it's not right or wrong, it's not our place to judge, and so, so that we can say, if I was, had experienced life how they were, have, and were, were in place they're in, I would likely feel exactly the same way and believe the same way, because it's only when we can do that, we can come up next to somebody and say, okay, well, how do I shift the way they're seeing this? Right, right. Yeah, I recommend a book to people um, that's called Bridges Out of Poverty. 
And it was a very eye-opening book for me because talk about how it, it really opened my eyes to how differently we see the world. Um, and it's a great book for somebody who, you know, needs to help understand their, the population they serve, which is everybody. Um, but quickly, let me see what time it is. Okay, quickly, the topic I really wanted to talk about is that wow factor. And you meant, you know, when you were talking about Tommy Mello teaches his text to call the customer and, you know, have that little wow factor. Um, there's a person in our industry called, uh, her name's Liz Trotter, and she talked about wow week with the clients. And uh, this is for people who are on a rotating basis. Well, I want to talk to the audience and I want you to chime in, Jonathan, about we should be doing wow weeks for our internal customers, our employees. And they're, so it's all about feeling taken care of. You know, when you were talking about that receptionist, um, or the bank teller, etc. People need to feel special. They need to feel seen like I'm important and that you're taking care of them. So there's so much we can do to drive that. And it's not even that hard. And I would add that not only do they need to feel safe and appreciated, I would suggest that you have to go one step past that, which is you have to allow people to believe that with your organization, they can still do the greatest work of their life. Because mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. people still believe they can do the greatest work of their life with you, they'll stay with you. As soon as that's no longer true, they're going to start looking for something else. Because we're by nature, people that want to grow, want to experience things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when you're talking things like maid service or lawn care, you know, you have to get really creative. And for me, it was about how, I mean, we, we honestly can save a marriage, you know, by reducing the stress and they're not uh, bickering over things. And charity cleanings were a big part of what we did. And uh, so, yeah, I agree that they have to Everyone wants to feel part of doing something great, you know, making a difference. Yeah, good thoughts. Oh, I didn't know if I lost you on your... No, I'm here. Yeah. Well, we could go on and on, but uh, I am going to stick to time since um, Megan took it all. And uh, <laughs> not true, not true. Wait, I want to hear it. I'm sure Jonathan's got one or two examples that he could give related to that, Martha, like of how people like, how do we help engage people so that they are bringing their best self and delivering their greatest work? Like, especially for in cleaning or lawn care or plumbing, like what are what are some quick wins there? Sorry, Martha. I just yeah, I didn't hear a question in there. So was the question, how can we provide those for our employees? How do we articulate that to the employees that they that we're that we've created a space for them to deliver their greatest life work? Yeah, so I I think back to sort of the the the, the thought process that I introduced here, which is to really walk through level what what do they do during their day and does not help design for them so i would be looking at my employees day and saying how do i interject something you mentioned charity cleaning that's a good example but how do i do that at a, on a cadence that is enough to lift them out of the ordinary let's face it mowing the lawn cleaning somebody's house it's ordinary they're, they're probably just doing it to survive right to feed their families or whatever else it is that they're doing um so we have to build in that opportunity where we sort of lift them out of just the transactional what are we doing and what are we doing with our life we can build those experiences 
uh, for our employees that they might not norm normally get. So when we use that phrase, things are good or bad by comparison, I want to um, believe bigger about my employee. So how do I get them just slightly experiencing things that they might not experience on their own? Right, so as an example, maybe you signed up for the conference, right? And you came, there's a lot of employees that would never do that. Right, that just, but we could find opportunities to expose our employees to things outside of what they would normally do. And if we're giving them those experiences, that, that, that energy is going to show up in the, in the ordinary work that they do. I love it. That's beautiful. Very well said. All right, Tay. In, in one of our companies, we had a, a, a Friday activity called Fractivity. And uh, you just an opportunity to stop. It would be we would do something that would lift the mind, the spirit, and the stated purpose was we're going to leave all the stress around this table of this activity, so we can go home to our families and not have to decompress. We've already decompressed, uh, and that really took off in our organization. We started having the marketing team of their own, their own work, make a full size movie poster, leave advertising what we're going to do. And, Everybody started breaking in and putting things in. It just became sort of people didn't want to leave the work family because of that. They knew that we were trying to unwind at the end of the week so they'd go back to the whole families. I think it just designed it. It's beautiful, too. I love that. I like that idea. It feels artificial right up until the moment it doesn't. It's new for us and it's new for them. It feels sort of, if we start doing one to one meetings and coaching meetings, it feels awkward because you haven't been doing them, they haven't been, you know, right? And so you will both find reasons not to do it. So you'll sort of <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I don't know where, but I'm busy too. You have to sort of commit. And I, in my book, I call that sacred rhythm. It means I'm going to decide on a rhythm, a cadence, a, a beat in my business, and it's sacred. I'm never going to miss it. Tell my employee I'm going to be there for a one to one meeting. I'm going to be there. Never cancel. They're not allowed to cancel. It's safer. So what are the things? Not everything in your business can be safer, but what are the things that are absolutely safer? Because that's what I'm known for. That's so well said. I really, I really love that. Um, be decompressed around the table. I think that's something everyone needs to incorporate into their businesses because so many people go home so stressed and bring that right home to their families. And if we can just bring that together as a team around the table and just release that and be able to go home fresh, open-minded and ready for just family time, I think that, that alone could make a massive, massive difference. <laughs> In our world. <laughs> I go through this exercise with every company that I've ever owned, uh, especially when I've had people coming into the offices. I, I do the mental picture on Monday morning myself when I'm going into work. I try to imagine each of my employees leaving their homes, and because I know a little bit about them, right? Uh, what is that experience like for them? Right? Maybe some of them may be going through family problems and it's stressful, or they're taking care of an elderly family member, or they're running their kids off. And they're coming into work, and I try to imagine how, like, what's their energy driving into the office? Because I'm going to have to counteract that energy, right, and enter into my stage and perform my audience and my customers. But I also then want to imagine them leave, leaving on Friday or in the evening, and, and what's that experience like? I want them to actually be heading back in a better state of mind than when they're coming to me. And if we get that, and you can accomplish that even by when you have to give really feedback to people. People don't mind feedback. And they don't mind even really direct feedback as long as they can tell that it comes from a place of love and care about them. If it comes from your agenda, if it comes from your reasons. So when I talk to people about performance issues, it's never about, hey, we committed as a company, we were going to accomplish this. It's always from the place of, you told me you wanted to buy your first home for your family. And in order to do that, you had financial goals you needed to meet. And you're not going to do that unless we can figure out why it is that you're missing your sales numbers this, this month. And I'm here to help you do that if you're willing to have that tough conversation. 
Absolutely. And that's a, that's a little different, right, than just hammering somebody about a performance issue. It's opening up that conversation. Yeah, I, I use the phrase, if you're going to, you know, fight, fight up front, but also get permission. So if you say to somebody, you have really tough feedback to give them, and you say, Megan, I, 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 I feel like we need to have a conversation, but it might be a little, you know what, maybe we'll just leave it locked. What's Megan going to say? Wait, oh, no, no, what do you want to say? No, what do you want to tell me? Tell me, say, what did I do? <laughs> I really feel like this would be helpful to you. But my fear is that you're, that it's going to hurt you in some way. And that's certainly not my intention. You do such great work here. And then what's Megan going to say if I just stop? I promise I won't take it first. Just spit it yeah. out already. <laughs> and then I'm going to go a third time and say, Megan, are you sure? Because sometimes people say they're going to be fine. It's awkward. I promise it's not awkward. And then you can give that feedback. And it'll still hurt, but they'll be giving you permission and they'll be grateful. Martha's dying yeah. over there. She has so many things so to good. respond, but we're Tell running out of time. Uh, we're running out of time. I can just see it. Okay, take go with ho homework. Homework. Awesome. Um, well, Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing so many awesome factual golden nuggets that were just thrown out today. Um, for anyone that has joined us for the first time today, or if this is your first time listening, we do assign homework every week. And this is to hold you accountable to what you heard our guests speak about. So Jonathan talked a lot today about different psychology behind sales, the new AI features with his, um, or Regina's software that he's helping um, promote. And just the just the overall psychology and working with employees as well and the systems behind that. So each one of us are going to assign a piece of homework. And I only ask that you just pick one because one, one in itself is going to move the needle forward in your business. And that's all we're asking for each and every week. So if you can do more, great. That's extra credit, but just one we ask you to choose. And if you do need help, please join our accountability group. Um, we'll throw that in the comments below. So that way you have access to that private Facebook group. Um, as far as, <clears throat> excuse me, I apologize. I'm getting over a cold here. Um, as far as marketing goes, I want, um, we talked a lot about how sales and marketing kind of go hand in hand and the differences and the similarities between the two. Um, but what I want you guys to really take home with you this week is I want you to find a way to focus on those moments that matter in your process. Find a way if you don't have that. So we, I use the example for our pressure washing company. We have our employees skim the pool after doing a patio cleaning. And that's not something we tell the clients. That's not something we promote. It's just something we do because we want to ensure that we're leaving the patio better than when we showed up to that client's home. So that's to us a moment that matters. So I want you to find a way to either add that into your sales, um, you know, your process, I should say, with your technicians and your teams. And if you don't, if you do have it, kind of refine it, see how you can maybe make it a little bit better. Maybe it's adding flowers, as Jonathan mentioned, after you're done cleaning an office building for the first time, just to bring in that fresh aroma of new um, fresh, fresh florals. I'm, I don't have a brain this week. Make guys. it over the top flowers. Yeah, and like over the top. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a moment that matters, make sure it's like, like these are the best flowers I've ever seen. Like my <laughs> husband doesn't buy me these nice flowers. Okay, so no roses. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we got to go with like very unique flowers. But that's what I want marketing homework to focus on is is find your moment that matters and make sure you're implementing that with your services for your clients. I'm the note taker and I, this is always the most stressful part is the homework part. Um, so as a reminder, we're going to give you four to five assignments. We only want you to do one. If you do none, then maybe you were inspired by this hour, but you didn't take any action. So we really need you to take action. We're exchanging value here. We've come together. We've brought Jonathan. Jonathan agreed to be here. So please just commit to doing one homework assignment to change your business this week. For finance homework, I would like you to read Jonathan's book, The Sales Boss. I think that is my homework for this week because th there is this, I mean, clearly he's brilliant, right? But he also spent a lot of time sharing how he has helped inspire teams, how he's 
how he's built teams, how he has found people's internal potential and, and learned how to maximize on it. And what I love because it's finance related is that that can drive sales, that can improve sales, that can improve your culture, that can improve your gross receipts, and that will improve your business and your profitability. So I encourage you to check out the sales boss. Um, that's your finance homework this week. Megan, I'm going to do that homework. No. Good, good. <laughs> I, I, I want to just put one little thing in there if I can. I know we're to the homework stage. The uh, Every business owner that I've worked with has been able to double what they thought was possible for the average salesperson in their business. And I'm always working at the top of the top. Wow. So they're always leaving almost 100% of the value on the table. So if they're, you know, if it's a $1,000 average day, they can do 2,000. If it's a 2,000, they can do four. It's been that in every single business. It's about the belief of what's possible. Wow. I love that. Okay. And your systems homework, I'm going to jump in, is to add a post-interview sort of internal checklist. What are those three reasons not to hire this applicant, right? Whether it's a Trello card or some sort of automation that you have in your hiring software or just the Zoom. Take notes on the Zoom that you're having that interview on. Make sure you put those three questions in so that you can improve your team and culture by keeping awesome people coming into your business. So the three reasons not to hire someone. That's Just your system. Don't do it in the public chat on the Zoom. No, I won't. <laughs> we won't. Not in public. Good, good call, Jonathan. Thank you. <laughs> muted. Muted. Sorry. Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of follow on Tay's homework. And we didn't get to talk about this enough, but marketing after the sale. So your applicant has signed up to work for you. How are you going to take care of those people? And what ways are you going to wow them as your employee and that you as a company are here to take care of them? Ooh, it's good. All right. And Jonathan, you can give homework or not, but I have a feeling you are. I give homework and say you stole half of my homework. So I'm going to leave it <laughs> exactly what I was going to use. So we'll go back to the moments that matter. But instead of with your clients, I want you to do five designed moments that matter for your employees. And the five are... Uh, a daily moment that matters, a weekly moment that matters, a monthly moment that matters, a quarterly and an annual. Just come up with five moments that matter. And ask yourself, for each of those, what do I want them to think, feel, and do as a result of that moment that we've created together? Mm, good stuff. That's beautiful. I'm totally fine with you piggybacking on mine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's great. great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for well, let's let's uh, talk about how people can get a hold of you, Jonathan, if they want to reach out and get a hold of you. It's really simple. My name is spelled K-O-N. So John at the salesboss.com, easiest way to get a hold of me. Okay. And I do I do answer all my emails. It might take me a day. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Martha, can we plug what's going to happen on Thursday? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Martha, Martha and I are doing a workshop on Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, and we're sharing our pay for performance system. Sorry, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. <laughs> oh, numbers hard early. Uh, we were sharing our pay for performance systems. Well, Martha's pay for performance system. She's training how she built it. And then I'm sharing my plug and play bonus sheets that we use with our team. And it's a good system. And we're sharing it on Thursday. So Thursday. I'll post yep. the link. Good. You know why people won't email me. What was no, that? Why? The reason some of your audience won't email me is to say, well, I'm just getting started in my business or I'm only that all these reasons they're not going to bother. And I'll tell you, the people that bug me always help them. 
So I have a lot of help as I've developed my business. I love people. I love being seeing people be successful. Uh, so, you know, don't let that little doubt in your mind to say, I'm going to be pestering somebody if I send them. <laughs> I'm challenging you. You know, we want to we want to see a good couple of dozen emails in this group, people asking for some sort of help and introduction. I'm happy with that. I love that. That's awesome. All right. And we always finish, Jonathan, with a quote of the day. And you gave us so many good nuggets. I'm not going to use some other famous person. I'm going to use your own words as our quote of the day. And it is, what do you want your employees to think, feel, and do, and design that experience for them? I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. We had a great time. And Megan always comes back from these conferences with new superstars for us to talk to. So thank you for your time and for everything that you shared. Yeah. It was awesome. Thank you. And everybody have a wonderful week out there. And we will, if we don't see you Thursday at the workshop, then we will see you next Tuesday. Same time, same place next week. Everybody have a great day. Thanks. Go fight. Go fight. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.